Hey friends, welcome to the All Means All podcast. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for listening, for liking, for subscribing. Share the podcast with a friend that you think would be helpful. And if you're ever in Boise or you're available, come and worship with us. We would be glad to be your church and I'd be be honored to serve as your pastor. We're going to continue our journey during this season of Lent, these 40 days before Easter, in the seven deadly sins. Michael Douglas sharing the Gordon Gecko speech, greed is good. Greed in all its forms, greed for life, for money, for love, for knowledge has marked the upward surge of mankind, he said. Really? Greed is good? We have gathered as followers of Jesus. We, we hunger to be people of the way, to, to live the way of Christ. And Jesus had a lot to say about money, about possessions. Let's look at Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. Familiar words, we'll put them up on the screen. Let's read them out loud together, read with me. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Uh, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Now, I'm going to give the choir an A on how they read that. Now, part of the reason is they, half of them were in the early service. But the rest of you, you read that like church people. You say, well, we are church people, but you read it this way. Let's put it back up there. Put that first one. Then he said to them, you said, watch out. Now, now let's go back to English class. Remember punctuation? <laughs> Look after, what's after watch out? What is that? All right, let's read it together. Then he said to them, watch out. Oh, man. <laughs> watch out. I mean, you would not be at the restaurant if you thought something at lunch was terrible going to happen to the person you're eating with, you wouldn't go, watch out. <laughs> you would exclaim it, watch out. Jesus says, look, here's the deal. Greed is coming at you. Watch out. Wow. Now, as a pastor for these last 30 years, it's interesting to me. People show up in my office and in my life lots of different ways and often want to share a challenge. Sometimes we might even call it a confession. 
Pastor, I'm struggling with this. Help me to do this better. How can I deal with this? But no one in 30 years, no one has ever said, Pastor, I'm greedy. I struggle with greed. No one's shown up and said, I I want it all. And I want to spend it all on me. And I ignore the needs of others and my family. I'm harming my community and my soul. No one has ever shown up and said, I'm greedy. For these 40 days of Lent, we are journeying through what's been called the seven deadly sins, pride, envy, anger, sloth, greed, gluttony, and lust. This list is not in our our Holy Scriptures as a list. This term, seven deadly sins, is not in the New Testament. It was created by the early church fathers and mothers who had withdrawn from community and gone to the desert, and they said, even when we're on our own, this is our struggle. Even when we withdraw from the world, we struggle with greed and pride and anger and envy and sloth and gluttony and lust. Actually, the list started with eight. And somehow we whittled it down to the holy number seven. The first thing we tend to notice about this list is it doesn't seem so deadly. Why worry about gluttony when murder takes place every day as American gun violence? Why worry about pride when war is in our headlines? Why be concerned with lust when every day that the legislatures in town, Idaho and South Care is challenged? These have become deadly because they're all integrated simply into our life as normal. You say, wait a minute, Pastor, I'm not greedy. So here's the deal. We have to define sin. Sin is anything that goes against the known will or character of God. If we know God is forgiving and we choose to be people who hold grudges and box them up and carry them around, we are not reflecting God. If we know God is giving and we say, well, those people should pull themselves up by their bootstraps. We're not reflecting God. Greed. Rob Bell says this, and I love this definition of sin, so I'll share it again. Sin is the culpable disturbance of shalom. That Hebrew text, shalom, peace, wholeness, health, blessing. Sin breaks God's shalom. And Augustine said about this about sin, that it tends to make that which is cease to be. Greed. It's so easy to see everybody else's greed. Have you noticed how greedy your neighbor is? I mean, they just got a new fill in the blank. I mean, it's so easy to see everyone else's greed and it's nearly impossible to see our own. Thomas Aquinas said of greed, it's the first among all sins. It's the root of all sins. The philosopher James Ogilvie writes, greed greed turns love into lust, leisure into sloth, hunger into gluttony, honor into pride, righteous indignation into anger, admiration into envy. If it weren't for greed, we'd suffer fewer of the other vices. 
Jesus warns us more about greed than he does about power or about relationships. But if we took a poll, most of us would say, we're not greedy. We're not greedy. We're just normal people. So I was traveling the other day. I was on the airplane. I reached into my book bag, which I keep with me. I needed an ink pen. And I reached into the book bag. I was reading a book, and I tend to be an underliner, so I thought I'd get an ink pen out. And as I reached in the book bag, all of a sudden I realized I had that many pens. <laughs> I counted them earlier, 18. In my, I wondered why my book bag was so heavy. And then I had to confess, I didn't buy one of these. But I'm not greedy. I mean, there was one at the hotel, and, you know, I'm sure they meant that for me. It was in my room. This one was at another hotel. This one says Claremont School of Theology. I must have been at a conference, and they had them out on the table, and I'm sure they wanted me to carry one with me, so I would think about Claremont School of Theology. This one's from an animal hospital. I don't know how I got that one. This one's from another hotel. This one's from First United Methodist Church, Boise, Idaho. This one's Best Western. This one's another hotel. This one is the, this is the medical school in Boise. Not one of these was handed to me. I mean, when I'm at a bank and they got a whole bunch of pins on the counter, they're there because they want me to take one in case I need it later. And so, like you, I take one and I put it in my book bag. But here's the problem. I have a drawer like this too. <laughs> and I have two keepers on my desk that are full of pens. But I'm not greedy. We could think of lots of areas of our life where greed has just become normal. We assume it's there for us. It's for us. We just brought another one home, put it in the closet, put it in the drawer, set it on the shelf. Just one more. And I know some of you will be funny and try to hand me a pen on the way out. <laughs> Hear these words from Basil the Great. I love this quote from the year 365. He was a bishop of Caesarea. Basil writes, when a person, when someone steals a person's clothes, we call them a thief. Shouldn't we give the same name to the one who could clothe the naked, but does not? The bread in your cupboard belongs to the hungry one. The coat hanging in your closet belongs to the one in need. The shoes rotting in your closet belong to the one who has no shoes. The money which you hoard belongs to the poor. So we hear it, Basil. We hear it. We, we are the rich of the world. And greed is that excessive, excessive desire to acquire or possess more than we need more than we deserve. You say, Dwayne, I, I, don't, I don't think I am the rich of the world. I mean, I, if the next paycheck doesn't come, I'm in trouble. But if you live in a home that keeps most of the weather out, if you have more than one change of clothing, 
if you have a few dollars in your pocket or in your bank account, you have a fairly reliable means of transportation. You are the rich of the world. I am the rich of the world. Mother Teresa said, I fear just one thing, money. Greed was what motivated Judas. So Jesus is in the Gospel of Luke. He's been teaching, and in chapter 12, two, two folks show up, and they say to Jesus, Teacher, tell my sibling to divide the inheritance with me. Seems like a, a decent request. We recognize the longer we live how stuff has often broken relationships, especially if we're dividing stuff. When grandma dies, we're, we're dividing stuff, and we're like, I can't believe my sister took that. And then relationships break over stuff. Teacher, tell my sibling to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus' response is, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And then he says this story, a parable. The ground of a certain rich one yielded an abundant harvest. They said to themselves, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I mean, what are we to do with our wealth? What are we to do? Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take, take life easy, eat, drink, be merry. I mean, this is what we call the American dream. I mean, it's, it's our goal line. Most of us live our life in such a way that we hope we can say just that. I've worked hard. I've filled the barns. Now I can sit back, eat, drink, and be merry. Life is good. But Jesus said at that point, God showed up. God shows up in this rich one's life and he will choose one word to speak about his life. If God showed up today, imagine that in church, if God showed up, if God showed up today and whispered one word about who you are right now, what word would God whisper in your ear? Servant, follower, child, God shows up. And Jesus said, he said, fool. Fool, because my friend, tonight you will die. Not faithful, not steward, fool. Maybe it was because when he looked at all his wealth, all he could think about was himself. I know what I will do. I will build bigger barns. I will say to myself, eat, drink, and be merry. You notice where he got his advice. I'll talk to myself. I give some, myself some of the best advice. Greed says bigger barns and to hell with everybody else. I deserve it. I've earned it. In the old communion liturgy, we would confess, God, we have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not seen 
the cry of the needy, not heard the cry of the needy. Sarah Bazzara writes in her book, Professional Christian, Being Yourself in the Spotlight of Public Ministry. She writes, if becoming our whole selves means conforming more and more to the image of Christ, then being our whole selves can never mean being a jerk or a doormat. As we come to terms with ourselves, we have to learn that what our weaknesses are and grapple with our worst tendencies and humility. We must open ourselves to grow in Christ and the goodness we can bring into the world. I mean, that's what we're trying to do in this season called Lent. And Lent, Lent's an introspective season where we stand before the mirror of God and say, how am I doing? Am I reflecting you to the world, to those I love? Am I reflecting you in my community? I think of the words of Paul when he wrote to the church in Galatia, when he says, look, when the Holy Spirit controls your life, the evidence is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we should be, if we've been in Christ for more than a week or a month or a year or years or generations, Shouldn't we reflect love, joy, peace, and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Greed is a condition of the heart. The rich one failed. They, They were a jerk. They failed. They failed to serve their community. They failed to see their community. They missed the needs of others. They missed the opportunity to be a blessing, to be a giver. Their sin was a failure to act and a failure to see. God, give us eyes to see and a willingness to respond. Our Methodist founder, John Wesley, wrote a sermon 300 years ago on the use of money. He would remind us, money's not good or bad until it touches our hands. The scripture says it's the, it's the love of money that's the root of all evil, not money. He says this about the use of money. In the hands of God's children, it's food for the hungry, drink for the thirsty, clothing for the naked. By it, we may be a defense for the oppressed, a means of health for the sick, of ease to those who are in pain. It may be as eyes to the blind and feet to the lame, a lifter up from the gates of death. There is an expectation that greed will not be our way but gratitude and generosity. There is a powerful relationship between our true spiritual condition and our attitudes and actions concerning money and possessions. Shane Claiborne was with us a few years ago for the Northwest Leadership Institute. You may know Shane's work. He's written a number of books. He's a founder of a Christian community in Philadelphia called The Simple Way. The Simple Way. But as a young man, he traveled to Calcutta where he spent a few years working with Mother Teresa as she worked with the poorest of the poor. And Shane writes this story that he learned from a homeless eight-year-old boy, a story of gratitude and a story of generosity. He writes, every week we would throw a party for the street kids, kids age eight to 10 who were homeless, who spent their whole day begging to survive. Each Tuesday, we'd gather about 100 of them together. We'd throw a party, we'd play games, we'd eat a big, big meal. And one week, one of the kids that I'd grown close to told me it was his birthday. 
So I went and got him an ice cream cone. But it's what he did next that was brilliant. He yelled at all the other kids, told them to line up, and gave everyone a lick. His instinct was, this is so good, I can't keep it to myself. Wow. Notice the difference in the stories. The rich one thought, what can I do for me? I I know what I'll do for me, I'll build bigger barns. The child thought, how can I share this gift? So here's our action steps today. Moving out of greed starts with gratitude and gratefulness. So perhaps today, take some time to just say to God, thank you. Thank you for all that's part of my life, the good and the hard, thank you for all of it. Thank you for the stuff in my life and for the stuff I wish I had in my life, God. Thank you. And then during these 40 days, would you be so bold to release yourself from 40 things? I got 18 pens I can share with you. (laughs) Here's the challenge. Most of us in most areas of our life have an abundance. Fill in the category, shoes, books, computers, cooking, Tools somewhere in our life, there's an overabundance. Could we use it in a way to gift to someone else? If we've got too many tools, could we find that young couple in our neighborhood and say, do you have a toolbox? Let me help you put one together because I have plenty. If we got too many clothes, maybe find an organization we can say, I want to release these so they can be maybe repurchased or given out so they have life and they can help a cause. And this is the hard part. A week later, don't go, I've got room in the closet. I got room for new tools. No, this is where we have to learn, move into contentment. God, help me be content with what I have. And the last part is this. I invite you to read the Gospel of Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30 as we prepare next week. So it's Matthew 25, 14 to 30. If you don't remember, it'll be in the email this week when we send it out. Matthew 25, 14 to 30. Let's pray. God, we confess that it's so easy to see our neighbor's greed and nearly impossible to admit our own. We thank you for the abundance in which we find ourselves. But may we, like the child in Shane's story, Say, how can we use this abundance to bless someone else, to change the community? This is so good, I can't keep it to myself. Speak to us, God. Help us to take a step in your direction. It's in the name of the Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, thanks for listening to the All Means All podcast. I do want to remind you that we are gathering funds and working together in partnership with the United Methodist Committee on Relief 
in the relief work in Turkey and Syria after the earthquakes. Many folks have already uh, sent their money in. Many folks have already sent a contribution in via the website or online. Just go to cathedraliraqis.org. You'll find the give link and you can find UM Corps, United Methodist Committee on Relief. Or if you want to give directly, just Google United Methodist Committee on Relief and look for the link for Syria and Turkey. And let's together make a different world.